Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. One of the things that I have really missed in this season is the ability to have people around at my house for dinner, for barbecues, have people around, enjoy time together. I don't know if you're similar to that, but there is something about, you know, having some people over, over a meal, connecting, talking, enjoying uh, life together. And I've really missed it. Uh, I, I don't know if you're anything like me. I have had the odd time uh, where my wife has said to me, Dave, we've got so-and-so coming over for dinner. Can you just make sure that the lounge room's tidy, that the kitchen's all good, that everything's ready to go, that the toilets have been cleaned, that everything's right and ready to go? And I go, yeah, 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 no worries. I'll, I'll, I'll get that done and uh, go about my day of things to do. Little do I realise that um, five o'clock comes and people are coming in an hour and the place looks like a bomb has hit it. So I don't know if you've ever done this where you kind of just grab like all of the laundry that's been out in the clothes horse and you like stuff that into one room. The toys kids all go into one room and you're thinking, I just, well, just make sure that the visitors don't go into that particular room. You shut the door, you make sure that no one ever happened or goes into that by accident. And, uh, and, and I've had that happen maybe a few more times than I would care to admit. Uh, but there is something about having people over. And, and I'm reminded of this scripture in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, Behold, this is Jesus talking, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and him with me. And this paints a picture of Jesus wanting to come into our life, into the house of our life. He knocks on the door ready for you to open up the door for him to come in and have that intimate moment where like you and I gather over a meal and we talk about the things that are happening in our life, both the good, bad and everything else in between. Jesus wants that kind of relationship and more in our life. But I don't know if you're kind of a little bit like me at times, that maybe you've invited Jesus into the dining room or the lounge room or the place there, but really there's the stuff in your life that you've hidden in the, in the closet or in the door and you're like, you know what, I don't, want, I don't want him to go into there. I don't want him to see the mess of my life. I don't want him to see all of those things going on. And we've been in a season of revival. You know, we've been talking about, God, would you revive us yet again? And revival begins with us. Revival begins in the areas of our life. And here's the thing, for revival to flow out of us, we actually need to allow Jesus into every room of our life. So the title of my message is Revival in Every Room. Revival in every room. And, and I want to take a little moment to maybe look at a particular room in your and my house that maybe we have or we haven't actually allowed Jesus to come in and be Lord of in that particular room. I wonder about the room of your finances. The room of your finances. I know in my life as I'm growing up, and to be honest with you, I wasn't really that great with money. And I've had to go on a journey of allowing the teacher Jesus to come into my life and teach me what kingdom finances actually looks like. 
And so I, I kind of want to start with this question, or actually there was this uh, great uh, a comment, a quote that I heard. It says, the fact is the use of money is the most reliable and external indicator of where our heart actually is. If you want to know what you prioritize in your life, you need to look at two things. You need to look at your bank account and you need to look at your calendar. Because what is the most things that you look towards or you spend your money on or your time is, that's actually what's got your heart. So if we invite Jesus into the room of our finances, what would he say? I feel like he would say three specific things to you and me that if we could get in line with his priority, get in line with the kingdom priority for our finances, we would step into a realm of favor and blessing like we've never seen before. Not only that, that everything that you are called to do, that Jesus will bring everything you need for it. I've seen it happen in my life left, right and center. And so the first thing that I would say, that Jesus would say, is that your tithe is actually a question of obedience. Your tithe is actually a question of your obedience. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do this, the Lord of heaven's army says, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. Pour out a blessing so great that you will not have room enough to take it in. Try it and put me to the test. I remember in my own life, uh, I was born in the church, grown up in the church, and, and mum and dad said, you know what, you need to tithe. So every time I'd get birthday money, I'd have to put aside a tithe. And, and so basically a tithe is 10% of, of whatever I earned or, or the money that I'd given. And, and I can remember fighting with my parents about it. Like, why? Why does God need 10% of it? Like, and, and mum very quickly kind of brought me into line. He said, well, he could have asked for 50, 70, 80, at least, at least it's only 10. I quickly worked out, okay, that my maths may not have been that great, but at least I worked that out pretty quick. But you see, as, as we bring the tithe into his house, what the tithe does is it actually reminds us that he is the one that's giving everything that we have in our hands, that he's the author of it all. In fact, if you look at the story of the Bible, we see in Genesis chapter 1 that God creates heaven and earth. He creates Eden on the planet and gives it to his creation, Adam and Eve, and says, multiply it, work it, extend it. He gives them perfection in this particular arena and gives them the stewardship over it. And yet they choose to go, you know what, God, you've set it up really well, but I think I can do better. So they decide to do their own thing all the way to the point where it gets to Genesis chapter 11 and we find all of a sudden the people of that time go, you know what, we can do something better. We're going to build a tower that's going to make our name great. And you know what I've found is often the tithe reveals who's actually Lord of your life. See, whether or not you're prepared to, to give God what is actually His demonstrates whether or not you are willing to have him be Lord of your life or you think you can do a better job. And as I've seen in my life time and time and time again, that God, every time I 
be obedient to what God has said. Be obedient to what he said. Not just wear a Christian hat, not just wear the Christian clothes, not just wear my revival merch, whatever that may look like, but actually be obedient to what God says, then favor flows in my life. I live under an open heaven, Malachi says. I live under an open heaven. I remember one time uh, I was taking my daughter to uh, her swimming lesson. She was one years old uh, Monday and we'd go to the pool and we're learning how to swim. And I'm, I'm, I'm in the pool and Sabella's standing on the edge and, uh, and we're teaching her, okay, we're going to count to three and then you jump in. And so, and so she's standing on the edge and, and I count, okay, one, two, three. I put my hands out to, to get ready to catch her and you could see in her eyes, she's like, she goes to kind of jump and then realizes, hang on, if I, if I leave the edge here, I'm in the pool. And, and I'm not sure if dad's actually really going to look after me. And so, so she kind of, and I could say, I say okay, honey, I'll, I'll get you. One, two, three. And we put hands out again. And she kind of goes again and it's like, and I remember saying in the moment, Sabella, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And I said, one, two, three. She jumped and landed in. We picked her up out of the water, had a big celebration. It was a great time. And I remember driving home from the pool. As I'm driving home, the Holy Spirit whispers in my ear, hey, Dave, Sabella trusts you, but do you trust me? See, I actually think the tithe is a trust issue and an obedience thing as to whose actually trust do you put it in. Do you, do you think that you can do a better job with everything that you have been actually given than what God can do? Do you actually trust him with the call on your life? Do you trust him in the area of your finances? Do you trust him in the area of your relationships? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? I heard this quote again. It said, God established the tithe for one reason, to enable us to acknowledge that he is the rightful owner of everything that we have and to acknowledge that all our wealth and prosperity comes from him. The, the tithe is a question of obedience. Will you be obedient to what God has said because he can and is trustworthy? He's trustworthy. So if the tithe is a question of obedience then why does Jesus ask us to be generous? And here's what I think it is, is that generous, generosity is a question of love. See, in our church here at Numa, we have a core value that love gives generously. I want you to think for a moment. It's my wife's birthday coming up on the 15th of November. And I want you to imagine for a moment that wake up on the 15th of November, I get the card out and I hand her, happy birthday, honey, here's your card. And I say, you know, I'm, uh, happy birthday, it's great. And, um, oh, by the way, I haven't got you a present because the thing I bought you in June, that, that'll do. Can you imagine what that would be like for me for a moment? Like, it would not go down well. Yet, so many of us at times have gone, but God, I've given you my tithe. God, I've given you my tithe. And God's like saying, hey, hang on, hang on. If, if you would just step into line with me, if you'd be obedient with me, I've actually got something far greater in store for you, but you're actually stopping the blessing of God following you because you're not willing to actually lean into him, trust him, and understand that love guides you. You see, the early church got this. The early church understood that it wasn't about walking a fine line between being right and wrong, but it was actually a question of love. 
You see, in the Old Testament, it was actually possible for God's people to be obedient, yet for their heart to be far from Him. It was actually possible for them to do the right thing. I do the right thing, which is what religion is. I do what I need to do in order for God to do what He needs to do. Instead of it being something that is an issue of the heart and a connection of the heart that compels me to move towards Him. You see, I don't buy a present for my wife just so that I don't get in trouble, just so that I'm in the good books. I buy something for her. I spend time preparing for her because I want to express how much she means to me. The early church got this. In fact, in Acts chapter 2 and verse, I think it's verse 43, it says that after the day of Pentecost had came, they, they were awestruck with the power of the Holy Spirit, of what Jesus Christ had done with them, and it compelled them to action. It says, and they sold their possessions and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all as had need. In other words, they got a revelation of what Jesus Christ first did. He gave it everything. He expressed his love towards humanity by laying down his life for you and for me. And the early church got this and said, you know what? I need to mirror that. I need to express my gratitude and my love towards a father that would love me so much. See, generosity is actually a question of where your heart is and what your love is towards him. In, um, actually, just the other Monday, Monday's kind of my life admin day. I've got both the kids and we have a lot of fun together, but we're in a process of training my daughter, who's five, uh, about the chores and things that need to happen on a Monday so that then we can go out and have fun and do all these things. So I said to her one Monday morning, I said, before we go to the playground today, could you just kind of go and, and can you clean up your room, pick up a couple of toys, put them back, organize some things, it'll be really great. And, and as she does, I love my daughter. She's so beautiful, so sweet. She's lovely. But she looked at me in that moment of like, I'll do it because you're telling me to. But don't think for a minute that I want to do this. And I realized in that moment, how many times have I been obedient, stepped out, been generous? It's not because I wanted to, but because I felt I had to. And can I tell you that God looks at those things very differently? All of a sudden in this moment, got this picture of like, oh God, that's what you think when I do that. Oh. Because as much as she wanted to do the right thing, her heart wasn't like, Dad, I love you. I trust you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'll do whatever you need. And I wonder how many of us go through the motions of tithes and giving and all of these kind of things, to, to go through the motions thinking we're trying to prove God when actually God's trying to get your attention to say, hey, I love you, I gave everything for you. I have a plan. I've got something so good for you. John 10.10 10 says, I have a life more abundantly than you can ever hope, dream or imagine of. And yet we're so concerned about, well, maybe God's hiding something from me. Maybe he's holding something back. Maybe he's just trying to take from me. Can I tell you that he is a God who loves you so dearly? He's already given you everything that you need. He's given, he's laid everything on the table for you and I. He's got so much more than you could ever hope, dream or imagine in store for you and for me. If we would get this understanding that actually our generosity and what is placed in our hands is an opportunity to demonstrate how much we love, trust, and care 
for him. I like how Paul talks to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. He says, And do not give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. How's your attitude when you give? When you're down the street, when you're walking down the street and you see someone, the Holy Spirit speaks to you about giving something. Do you have that argument with him? Do you have that thing of like, I'm just doing this because I feel like I have to? Or does love compel you? Does love draw you? Does love say, okay, God, if I can be more like you, if this is what you want, I'll I'll do whatever you need to do. I've seen this transform in my life. You see, when, when I was 18 years of age, I, um, I had a part-time job at Woolies, and, um, and the reality was I wasn't great with money. I'd managed to get a credit card and already rack up quite a substantial amount of debt. And, uh, and I remember God saying, okay, I'm calling you to, to, to go to Bible college. So I, I go to Bible college, and I try to, my auntie, who was a, a, a great help in my life, and she she understood money. She was sitting me down, working through a budget with me. And we worked out that I had probably, by the time I paid for my schooling, by the time I paid for everything and tried to pay off some of the debt that I have, I had about $20 a week left to kind of play with and live on. And so, um, so I'm like, okay, um, no worries. I could, I could use it for these things and that. Those, um, like when I'm going down the train, I can grab a meal here or go out with some friends every now and again. Things were a fair bit cheaper back then. And... Um, Anyway, I remember being in church one Sunday morning and, and the Holy Spirit sort of knocks on me and says, hey, Dave, would you, would you give me like $5 a, a week um, in the midst of what's happening right now? And I'm, I was like, God, you, you don't understand. That's a quarter of what I have. He goes, oh, I, I know, I know, I know, but I, I've got something in store for you. I've got something for you. And I was like, I'm having this argument with him. I'm like, okay, God. And this was a crucial time in my life where I I know now my life could have gone one of two ways. But in moments of encounter, God started to to draw me and started to to woo me towards him. And and I ended up, after an argument with him, I said, okay, all right, I'll do this. So I started doing it. $5 each Sunday morning, just giving the offering, being obedient, saying, God, this is actually really, really difficult. I've got to sacrifice this, sacrifice that. Probably about a month afterwards, um, I was in church doing that, and, uh, and I had a, a particular person come up to me and, and give me an envelope, and they say, hey, Dave, we, God just told me to, to, to give this to you. And so I was like, okay, that's a weird thing to do, but I, I took it, I went home and opened it up, and, and it was actually enough to pay for a quarter of my Bible college fees. And I was like, okay, okay, God, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. So I, I'm like, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, so I just keep going away. Mind you, six months happens. Six months. i am not heard God differently. I've not heard anything else. And all of a sudden, I'm like, God, is, are you really there? Like, is, I, I'm thankful that you've, you've brought me this far, but God, are you really going to bring me all the way through? And moment after moment after moment that in the next three months, God had paid for the entire year of my schooling. Not only that, he had wiped out all of my debt. He was setting me up, but the thing was, was I willing to get off the throne of my own life and my own control if I was, to be honest, had made an absolute mess of that area? And because of that obedience and that willing to trust him, 
give generously out of a place of love and affection, he brought me into a new season. So if the tithe is about obedience, generosity is about love, then why does it seem like others always increase in their life and I don't? Let me tell you that your increase is actually a question of stewardship. Your increase is a question of stewardship. In Matthew chapter 25, there's this story that Jesus tells. And he tells about a a landowner and he goes away for a period of time. And actually at the start of the parable, he says, the kingdom of God is like, which I think is really interesting we need to pay attention to. Whenever he says the kingdom of God is like, we need to make a mental note. Okay, God is trying to communicate something very important in this moment for you and I to bring the kingdom into our world right here and right now. And so he says the kingdom of God is like a a master who leaves on a trip and he goes to his servants and he gives one servant one talent, he gives another servant two talents and he gives the third servant five talents. And the Bible says that he gives them all according to their ability. And so the one with five goes straight in and he starts investing and he does all the things and he manages to gain another five. The one with two goes to work and works really hard and gains another two as well. But the one with one talent, the Bible says that he went and hid it in the ground because he was fearful of his master. He was concerned about what his master would do to him, that he might lose it, all of these kind of things. And the Bible says that as the master came back to settle the accounts, at the end of the the time that was said, the one with five came and he had five more and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. The one with two came back and said, master, I've worked and here's two more. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. The one with one who had hit it in the ground, he said, you wicked and lazy servant. At least you could have put that in the bank and I would have gained an interest. You see, the interesting thing is God has given you, he's provided for you, he's given you something in your life. The question is, what are you doing with what he's given you? In the area of your finances, I've seen this happen time and time again in my life, where God has provided a way, and it's been because, okay, God, what do you want to do? What should I commit to? What should I put in front of you? What do you want me to do? that he, he actually gives us insight. And as I am a good steward with what he has entrusted with me, you know what has happened time and time again is that he's been like, okay, I can trust you with more. I can trust you with more. Um, the story of, of our life has been one where we have seen God's favor come through time and time and time again. Even up until just recently at the start of this year, uh, you know, we had Vision Sunday and it was a great time. And then we came to Vision Offering. The reality is Louise and I got together and we were talking about, okay, what, do, what are you thinking? What are you feeling to give and to sow into this? And we had just come off selling our house back in Bendigo. And so we, we had um, sold that. And, and the reality was that was going to be our deposit for trying to get into the Melbourne market. Now, moving from regional Victoria to metropolitan Melbourne is a whole nother ball game. And so, so we were like, okay, God, but we trust that we're doing what you have called us to do. We are being faithful with what you've given us. We are trusting in you. And God gave us amount to give at, at the vision uh, offering. And 
the reality of it is it was, it was probably a bit of a stretch. It was like far out there than what we had probably thought we could possibly do. And was that the smartest thing to do? Was this what, was what we were supposed to do in this season? But at the end of the day, we were like, okay, God, we trust you. We love you. And we're going to sow into your kingdom. We're going to sow into your house. And so we did that. Little did we know, I think that was in March. We now come to October. And just recently, we have been able to buy a house here in Melbourne by the grace and mercy of God. What the amazing thing about this is that, that we had actually had our eyes on a particular house that my wife really loved. And, um, and, and she was like, man, I, I really love this place. And, and we had a building inspector come through. And thankfully, it had rained a couple of days beforehand. And there were some significant underlying water issues which if we had have visited in summer, we may never have known about. You cannot tell me that that is not God setting it up and making you aware. Then we get this opportunity for this house that is far better than we could ever hope or imagine. And to be honest, it has been a dream. Now, what what I want you to hear me is that as we steward what God has given us well, he goes, you know what, I can trust you with the little that you have. I'm willing to give you more. And this is not just in the area of finances. This is across every single area. If you want more friends, then actually steward the friends that you've currently got. If you want want better relationships in your life, then steward the relationships you've got in the moment. So many of the things that the gifts and the talents that we have, if we don't actually steward them well, work them well, apply everything we have to them, then actually we can end up being like the wicked and lazy servant whose talent was taken from him and given to the one with five. You see, stewardship is actually the key for living in increase. So here's the biggest question. Is with all of this area of finance, will you build God's kingdom or are you building like a Tower of Babel for yourself. Because it's so easy in the midst of our season and our world and our culture to be comparing like this and that and this and I need this particular type of thing and I need to drive this particular type of car. I need to work in this particular uh, wage bracket. I need to have these kind of clothes. I need to wear this kind of stuff. And we can build a monument to ourselves and see it crumble Or we can be part of God's story, part of his kingdom, and build something that will last. Something that will leave a legacy for the generations to come. It says, I think it's in the book of Psalms, that that he leaves an inheritance to a thousand generations. He leaves blessing to a thousand generations. In other words, we live with a generational thinking type of God. Uh, I'll finish with this story. Um, My wife works as an accountant. She works for a property developer. And and they were going in to bid on this particular portion of property uh, here in Melbourne uh, to develop it. And they were going to put some things together. And they get to the auction day and and it goes to auction and they get to their price that they think is, uh, is worth investing in to, to get a return on and, and going well. But unfortunately, there were other people there that just outbid them. The, the interesting thing is the range that they had in, it just kept going up and up one and a half times, 1.75 times, double, 
Like it was a, it ended up going for a crazy amount. And it kind of took them back and like, what in, like, how is this even affordable? And so one of the, the members of the team went up to the eventual buyers and said, hey, um, hey, look, uh, we don't need to, pri- I'm not meaning to pry, but we just want to know, how, how are you making this project viable? And they said something very profound that stuck with me. Oh, we're not buying it for our generation. We're buying it for the generations to come. I wonder if you're living your life for yourself and your generation in your time, or are you living your life, making your decisions, opening up the areas in your life for generations to come? There's a big difference between the two. So here's the thing. Are you willing to open the door, the area, the room of finances in your life? Revelation chapter 3, the scripture that I started with says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. He wants to meet you right where you're at. I don't know the circumstance you're in right now. I don't know the situation that you find yourself in. The reality of this pandemic is maybe financially things are incredibly difficult, incredibly tough right now. You may have lost your job. You may have been finding things very, very difficult. Can I tell you, do not remove yourself and try and fix it yourself, but lock into, lean into a father that thinks about you, that loves you and has already got a plan and a path out for you. The Bible says this, that says when the enemy comes in and tries to ambush you, that God provides a way of escape. As I was actually out running, and um, I was saying, God, what do you want me to speak on? And he, he said, I want you to talk about these three things. I said, okay, well, that's fine. What, what, why do you want to do that? And I, and I felt, as I'm running down near my house, felt the Holy Spirit start to speak to me that there are people that are watching right now that in this season of the COVID pandemic, you had the dream job. You had the calling that you felt you were called for and you were anointed for, and yet... It seems to be that you've either lost the job or the job's been put on hold and you feel like your calling has been put on hold. And as I was running, I was reminded of what Dr. Michael Maiden prophesied in Amos chapter 3. says that he is going to restore the years to you. And I just wanted to confirm and and say that to you again, that, that God is actually going to restore everything, that you haven't missed the boat, that, that the enemy, may it, it might be that immediately right now he's taken something from you, but God is about to restore it. He's about to bring something significant back. In fact, there are people here that through this pandemic, you've been really concerned about how you're going to survive. And God says to you, he says, I see you. And just like the ravens fed my prophet, Elijah, in that moment, I'm bringing about favour and breakthrough for you in this season. See, the question is whether we will continue to say, okay, God, I need reviving in every area of my life. I need you to revive my soul. I need you to revive my family. I need you to revive my finances. 
whatever area it is, that God is faithful to revive every single area of our life if we would just stay in alignment with Him. Don't, in this season, don't disconnect from the tithe. The tithe comes about because uh, is a place of obedience and brings about an open heaven over your life. Don't stop being generous because things look difficult in this season. No, keep your love on. Keep your affection that you are reflecting the Father's heart to the community around about you. And please, please, please listen to me. Please steward what God has given you because you're about to step into something brand new. You're about to step into a level of increase that you've never experienced before in your life. And my heart and my prayer is that your life would be a witness of a life surrendered to an almighty God who gave everything for you and I. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.